because in your situation, you're sitting there next to the girl who's all cuted up and you're feeling like yesterday's yoga pants. You're not like focusing on you is not going to help you in that situation at all. So really that's the only freedom is in pouring out. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Heather. And I feel like mostly what I've heard as the response, like you're saying to comparison is, well, you know, just remind yourself how great you are and Mm -hmm. how, you know, you're loved, you're special, you're unique, be the best you you can be. And I absolutely agree with those. But for me, focusing more on me, like this me focus is not solving the problem of me focus. Welcome to Compare to Who, the podcast to help you stop comparing and start living. I'm your host, Heather Creekmore. I hate to admit this, but I used to secretly obsess over my appearance. I thought it was part of my job as a woman to always look better, but never felt like I could be good enough. Maybe you can relate. God, in His grace, showed me a way out, and I want to give you all the tools you need to break free too. If you've ever spent too much time stressing over your looks, I get it. I hope you'll keep listening and find the same freedom I have. Here are three other things you should know about me. I'm a minivan driving mom of four. I'm author of the book Compared to Who and the forthcoming book The Burden of Better. I'm a blogger at comparedtowho.me and you just may have seen my epic big fail on Netflix. If you've ever struggled with comparison or body image issues, Compared to Who is the show for you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hey, tell a friend about it. Hey there, welcome to the Compared to Who podcast and videocast. I'm Heather Creekmore, and I'm really glad that you're watching or listening today. Today, I have my brand new friend, Shannon, on the show. Shannon Popkin is a best-selling author and speaker, and she loves to blend her gifts of storytelling and humor with her passion for God's word. She's the author of a couple books, Comparison Girl, you know already why she's on the show today, Control Girl, which we talk about control on this show all the time too, because it's all connected and influence, which she and I were just talking about. And apparently I need to read right away. She's been featured on Revive Our Hearts, Family Life Today, Proverbs 31, and she's a contributing blogger at reviveourhearts.com. She's from West Michigan, and she's happy to share her life with her husband, Ken, who makes her laugh every day. And together they have three amazing kids, two in college, one in high school. Shannon, thank you so much for being on the Compared to Who show today. It's so great to be with you, Heather. Thank you. So I confess this already to Shannon, but I'll confess this to you if you're listening or watching. So I was scrolling Amazon and I came across, if you're watching, you'll be able to see this. Sorry, listeners. I came across this Christian book called Comparison Girl. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh, there's another book on comparison. And then I thought, well, isn't this great irony, right? Uh, Writing a book on comparison, (laughs) teaching people not to compare. And then I'm like, I have a book I have to compare my comparison book to. And so I ordered it right away and I read it cover to cover. And actually it didn't take me, but maybe, I don't know, maybe eight or nine pages to be like, this is a really good book. I like this book. I would be happy for any of my followers, listeners, watchers to read this book. So Shannon, it's a great book. And I want us today to get to know you a little bit and then to talk about some of the gems that you have in this book, Comparison Girl. Okay. So first, 
tell us a little bit about you. Absolutely. But I just have to say, like, I think the fact that we both wrote a similar book and we're out scrolling Amazon to see, you know, finding each other that way, it just means we were meant to be friends, Heather. Absolutely. (laughs) I'm in. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, I, I guess the first, this isn't the first thing I would want you to know about me, but, but I also struggle with going on Amazon and comparing my work with others' work or comparing myself in all sorts of different settings. I am a a wife and a mom. And so, you know, marriage and family, that's one (laughs) comparison arena. And I am a speaker and an author. I love these different ways that God has given me to serve. Um, I live in Michigan in a neighborhood and, you know, like... (laughs) comparing with neighbors is a thing and oh it's just it's uh it's something I have not found myself cured of but at least I have worked on finding the answers and the correct responses in God's word and I'm sure that you would say the same Heather absolutely I mean I love the way you put that because even though I'd like to say that I have a cure in the book I mean the really the cure is you just need to be aware of all these things and then aware of, I think it's a temptation. Like I think it's a temptation from the enemy when we are tempted to compare ourselves to someone else, really to say like, God, I see what you've done for me, but what you've done for them is so much more awesome. And you kind of, you frame this in a way that I thought was really brilliant with the upside down measuring cup, or is it, does it start upside down? It doesn't start upside down. Just tell me about the measuring cup because right, I'm going to butcher sure. it. <laughs> no, you're not. So I have a measuring cup right here. And the, um, if our listeners, uh, audio listeners can just kind of picture like one of those Pyrex glass measuring cups with the red lines on the side. You know, our enemy, what he wants us to do is take our measuring cup and put it next to somebody else's and compare our our assets, our gifts, our aptitudes, our resources, put those next to somebody else's and always be asking, how do I measure up? And always be focusing on the lines on the side of our measuring cup. But our Jesus Uh, knows that that will lead us into bondage and it will cause us to pull away from each other. You know, if you're, if you're measuring and you find that you're inferior, you know, you want to pull away from somebody. You don't want to be next to somebody who is always making you feel less than, Mm -hmm. (laughs) or if you measure and you find that you have more in your measuring cup, well, then you want to pull away because you know, you're better than them and um, they're beneath you. Well, neither one is is helpful and and again creates isolation and bondage and so jesus sees us looking at the lines on the side of our measuring cup and always turns our attention to the spout mm-hmm. um, and he says you know what come follow me come live life the way that i lived and jesus did not come to our world to prove that his measuring cup was the biggest, even though it was like, I mean, if we were to try and find a measuring cup that all of Jesus's worth could fit inside of, like, I don't think the cup would fit inside of our our universe, but, um, but that's not, Jesus didn't come to prove, um, Philippians 2 says that um, Jesus didn't come uh, trying to show that, or uh, he, it says that equality was with God was not mm-hmm. something that Jesus was trying to grasp, yeah. but instead Jesus came and he emptied himself. You know, mm-hmm. he, he tipped that cup at, over and poured himself completely out on the cross. Um, and this is the life that he invites us to also because, and here's the freedom that this life brings. 
you know, in this measure up world, Heather, that we live in, we're always comparing, always stepping back into that bondage and always um, pulling away from each other. But in, in the kingdom of God, when we, when we tip this measuring cup, the lines are not relevant anymore. It doesn't really matter. We're not focused on how am I measuring with her? We're focused on, you know, our, our attention is, our attention is on the spout and where, who am I pouring into and what do I have to give her and how can I serve? And so when we're pouring, when we're using the spout and the measuring cup, we're no longer measuring. Um, so that's sort of the little metaphor that I have found helpful with comparison. I love that. It's a fantastic metaphor. So in order to come up with a great metaphor like that, Shannon, you must have some experience in comparing yourself to other people. And I read your book. So I I know, I know some of your stories, but just, just so we know that you're real and you understand it because I hate those books where the person's like, you just need to do this and I'm perfect and I don't do this anymore because I do this and you're not like that. So tell us what's your journey with comparison been like? Well, you know, I think I I see it back in childhood where Mm. I was comparing myself with the other girls in my class. You know, I can remember the girls in second and third grade and how I measured myself against them, whether it was like academically or in gym class or how cute they looked, you know, and Mm. I could. And I can remember in sixth grade, just becoming increasingly aware of um, how I looked compared to others. I mean, that's really when my attention was more focused on what I looked like and how I was measuring. And then, you know, in college, <laughs> like how much I was dating compared to others. Mm-hmm. And then in my career, you know, how just all the different areas of life I have, it's not like I've outgrown this problem. And in fact, in some ways, it just intensifies over over time, um, all the way up to this very day that we're living in. <laughs> I mean, I have not. I'm not going to talk about comparison as if it's something in the past. You know, it's not some distant past thing. Just, I think it was two days ago on Monday, I had a friend who came to my door for the first time. It was like, we had never met each other and we had, well, I thought I, I was planning on going walking. I said, Hey, come in the morning and we'll go walking together. Well, she showed up on my doorstep with like styled from head to toe with like (laughs) Starbucks coffee, you know, here I brought coffee and I came to the door dressed to go walking, Heather. (laughs) And so, I mean, I had no makeup. I ha- I was in my like, you know, comfy yoga pants and an old t-shirt and I was ready to go walking. And so I had a choice right then and there. Like, was I going to stand there and focus on the lines? Mm-hmm. Um, because really when we sat out on my patio to drink our coffee and I so wanted to be thinking about what I looked like, I wanted to think about like, oh, I don't have any makeup on and I didn't do my hair. I have bed head and she looks perfect. And I am in old yoga pants and she's got these cute, this cute style. Oh, I forgot to mention. She's a, what do you call it? Someone who like helps other people with their style. Oh, a stylist. (laughs) Was I thinking, of course she's going to come, you know, like that's just, that's just who she is. And so as I sat there on my patio, I was like, okay, all I want to do is think about myself and how I look right now. Mm-hmm. But if I do, I'm going to miss out on her mm-hmm. because if I'm focusing on, focusing on the lines, if I'm focusing on how do I measure up? Oh, I've, I've completely blown this first opportunity, you know, mm-hmm. first impression. 
but she did not come to impress me. Mm -hmm. And she was not worried about what I looked like. And really, she just came to be my friend. And so I just decided, you know what, I'm I'm gonna quit thinking about what I look like. I'm gonna focus on her. I'm gonna just engage in this conversation. And she was delightful. She was delightful. And she told me, like, stop, you're fine. It's no big, you know. And and so when I chose to do that, when I chose to focus on, you know, on the spout and my measuring cup, it gave me this freedom from focusing on how how do I measure up. So this is something that I'm using absolutely in everyday life. I love that so much because really we're called to love others. And I feel like what happens in the realm of comparison, and I've, I've actually started screenshotting Instagram like over and over again. Like people probably think I'm taking pictures of them because when I'm out and scrolling Instagram, I'm like, click, 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 click. I'm screenshotting Instagram because I follow a couple comparison hashtags and the narrative is always focus more on you. And then you'll be free from comparison, mm-hmm. right? If I just think about how unique and awesome and special I am, mm-hmm. then I won't compare myself to you. But that's not real life because in your situation, where you're sitting there next to the girl who's all cuted up and you're feeling like yesterday's yoga pants, you're not like focusing on you is not going to help you in that situation at no. all. So really that's the only freedom is in pouring out. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Heather. And I feel like mostly what I've heard as the response, like you're saying to comparison is, well, you know, just remind yourself how great you are and Mm -hmm. how, you know, you're loved, you're special, you're unique, be the best you you can be. And I absolutely agree with those. But for me, focusing more on me, like this me focus is not solving the problem of me focus, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And what I need is to just get my eyes off of me. And that's really what I hear Jesus saying over and over and over is really, it's not the the me focus that you have. That's not part of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. In the kingdom of God, we're people who focus on others and we lift others up and we humble ourselves and serve other people. Um, and, And so he had all of these upside down backward statements that he was always like tagging on to the end of conversations or in, um, at the end of his stories that he would tell. And so let me just give a couple examples. I call them the upside down comparisons of Jesus. Um, like the first will be last. That's a comparison first and last, uh, the last will be first, the greatest, among you is the servant of all. So greatest, that's a comparison word. Or whoever humbles herself will be exalted. Whoever exalts herself will be humbled. Those are the ways that things work in the kingdom. In the kingdom, it's whoever focuses on on the spout and emptying, humbling yourself, serving others, lifting them up. Those are the great ones. Mm. And, And I find such comfort in that, Heather, because that, you know what that means is that every single one of us get to be great. Mm-hmm. in the kingdom of heaven. There's mm-hmm. nothing holding us back. We don't have to have more in our measuring cup mm-hmm. to be greater than somebody else or to have this greatness of the kingdom. All we have to do is take what we have been given mm-hmm. and use it to serve other people and pour ourselves out. And it really does free us um, from this bondage of me focus. Hey there, how much is freedom worth to you? That's kind of an odd question, right? When I was in the midst of my struggle with disordered eating and body image, I would have paid anything I had to be free. Truth is, I spent a lot of my budget on things I thought could help me be free, like new diets, exercise gizmos, clothing, but none of those things really helped. I'm so grateful that God showed me the way out. 
And now I'm passionate about helping others find their way out too. I want them to know that Jesus already paid it all. They don't have to spend another cent to find the freedom they really desire. But truth is, it does cost me something to get this message out compared to who can't spread the message of Jesus' offer of freedom without the help of women like you. Would you consider making a contribution? Check out Compared to Who's Patreon page at patreon.com slash compared to who. Then prayerfully consider giving $1 or $5 a month, whatever you can to help. Any amount you'd be willing to donate would be a huge blessing and will go directly towards covering the operating expenses of this ministry. Thank you for being a part of seeing other women set free from the chains of body image and comparison. May God bless your generosity. Okay, so you use another analogy, like your whole book is filled with analogies that I loved, but you use the analogy of going to court. And I was like a wannabe lawyer. I made it like one semester in law school. And then I was like, I can't stand school this long. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I changed course. But I love justice and courtroom stuff. And I love to think about things in terms of fairness and justice. And we take ourselves to court all the time and we take others to court all the time, I think, in this realm of comparison. So fill that out. What do you mean by going to court? <laughs> right. Well, court is all about justice. It's all about right and wrong. And in the church, I think we feel more qualified Sometimes, you know, women who have been around church try to, um, to say, no, I am right and you are clearly wrong. And when we do that, when we're looking down in self-righteousness with other people, well, that's when we prove that we are wrong. That's what, that's what Jesus taught. Um, he told this parable. He said to some people who were, who were in self-righteousness, looking down at others with contempt. And so they were, they were basically saying, um, no, I am right. <laughs> and you clearly are, are wrong. And, um, and so to those people, Jesus told the, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Um, so in case somebody hasn't heard that story, let me just summarize it real quickly. So Jesus says, these two guys go into the temple to pray. And the Pharisee is like praying loud so that everyone can hear. And, and he says, you know, God, I'm so thankful. I'm not like that tax collector over there. You know, basically I do everything right. And he starts listing out all of the right things that he does. That guy does everything wrong. And, you know, he's talking to God, but when we're talking to God, I don't, it's not really um, important to list out all the things that we've done right. And somebody else has done wrong. Right. I mean, and if that's how we're approaching God, it's like, we're kind of back in the courtroom, you know, and, and court has been adjourned. We don't really need to be in court. Jesus has, has uh, gone before uh, um, the just judge, and he has died in our place. He has taken care of all the penalties, and it's sealed. You know, court is adjourned. We have been set free from our sin. Our sin has been paid for. And so when we continue to go back in that courtroom, and argue, you know, like, and maybe we don't really picture ourselves in front of God. I don't think the Pharisee was really picturing himself in front of God. He really wanted all the people around him to know, you know, all the things that he had done right. But when, when we use that sort of courtroom imagery, and I do it in my head, you know, or in front of the mirror, like, well, 
I have done this right and this right and this right. And she over there, she is wrong about this and she's wrong about that. And I sort of have these courtroom discussions and I put words in her mouth about what she's obviously thinking about me. And no, here's what you need to know. And let me explain it so you can see that I am actually right. <laughs> I have these little courtroom conversations. And when I do that, it's sort of like, what, um, well, let me, let me tell the rest of the parable. The, at the end of the parable, um, it says that the tax collector, the guy that the Pharisees pointing down at in disgust, he can't even lift his eyes. He just says, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. He sees himself as the sinner. And, and he is the one who goes home, got, uh, Jesus said, justified. Mm -hmm. And that's like a courtroom word, mm -hmm. justified. It's mm -hmm. sort of like debt cleared, like mm -hmm. you have been justified. And so what if that guy, that tax collector guy leaves, goes home justified, and the, ne the next day comes back to the temple and starts praying like the Pharisee and listing mm -hmm. out all the things he's done wrong, or I'm sorry, all the things he's done right, mm -hmm. and all the things that guy over there, you know, maybe another tax, tax collector, all the things he's doing wrong. Well, that doesn't make sense, but nor does it make sense for me to do that, to mm -hmm. go to God after I have been justified and argue why I am right and somebody else is wrong. Yeah. There's just no place for that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really good. You, you midway through there, you, you said how you kind of do it in your head. And I thought of, and actually put this in my book, how I can decide what you're thinking about me <laughs> and then I will correct. So you won't think that way anymore. Right? Like I decide you must think I'm mean, so I'm going to be super nice. And then, like, I never knew that you decided that, but I, I, I will correct and then make it. So, well, now you have to think I'm nice. Like, you know, or right. silly things like that where, yeah, we, we're, <laughs> we're, yeah. we're in the courtroom all the time. And, and I, have you read, do you like Paul Miller? Have you ever read any of his stuff, The Praying Life? And he has a new book I called have... The J-Curve. Okay. It's no, fantastic. I have not read that, but I yeah. have heard of Paul Miller. J-Curve is a fantastic book and I'm just reading it now. And the way Paul t puts it is that we're always looking to self-justify. <laughs> Right. And I think that that ties in beautifully with our comparison issues, right? Because like we need to be the best in a certain area so we can find our justification in that area, right? Like at least if I'm the best dressed or whatever, then I'm, you know, worthy of something and how, you know, he, so he, do, he does an awesome job with that. I, I, I love that book. I encourage everyone to read it. <laughs> yeah. And, and there's a quote that kind of relates to that from Tim Keller Yes, where he says, um, well, let me back up. As comparison girls, we look sideways like the Pharisee trying to prove that we're right, not wrong. And, and you know, we're always reacting. If we feel like someone is saying that we're wrong in some way, mm -hmm. that's what gives rise to this mm -hmm. whole courtroom, you know, behavior. But um, it, we, we present evidence that we are good, not bad. We provide proof that we measure up. And Tim Keller says, what we are all looking for is an ultimate verdict that we are important and valuable. And that means that every single day we are on trial. Every day we put ourselves back in the courtroom. Mm -hmm. And again, there's just no place for that. We, 
what are we doing in the courtroom? Yeah. Why are we heaving that door open yeah. and in there by ourselves arguing for hours, our case? It's just, it's not healthy for us. It's not healthy for our relationships, mm -hmm. you know, because the last thing we want to do after we've just held court in our head mm -hmm. <laughs> is like go out for lunch with this person that we've been arguing yep. against. And she has no idea what we're doing <laughs> that we've yep. been having this, this <laughs> argument. She has no idea. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I had a counselor once ask me about taking my husband to court <laughs> mentally. And I was like, yeah, you're kind of guilty. <laughs> or I'm kind of guilty. You got it right. But yeah, I mean, I used to do that all the time. Like I would come up with his motive and all the things and, you know, and he'd be like, you know, that, that wasn't what I was thinking at all. I just forgot to pick it up. <laughs> totally. Totally. Yeah. So. Motives. I remember one time I was in church and we were standing and then we sat down and for some reason I leaned forward when I was sitting down and the woman be in front of me in the chair be in front of me was sitting down and our heads bumped, which is really weird. I, that's the only time it's ever happened in my whole life. Like, the, uh -huh. like these rows were not that close together. I have no idea how it happened, but she went, oh, like, you know, this, this like, oh my word, what are you doing in my space? Kind of a, an attitude. And I was like, I wasn't in your space. I think you must have, you know, like that's what was going on in my head. Yeah. And the rest of the church service, like I couldn't hear the sermon. I wanted to argue mm -hmm. my case. I wanted mm -hmm. to show her I wasn't wrong. Mm -hmm. Obviously you, this has never happened in my life. You know, you must be the one who's wrong. How dare you look at me with this disgust in your voice or whatever. Yeah. And oh my goodness, like, what am I doing? <laughs> she probably never thought twice about it. After, I mean, after bonking her head on me. But um, I mean, and honestly, like, I remember seeing her later and thinking like, that's the one who was looking down at me because we bumped heads. What in the world? Like, this does not create the unity in yeah. the church that God designs for us when we are constantly feeling judged or, or proving mm. ourselves. And is there not a lot of that going on right now? Mm. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I mean, we have got so many people thinking that they are right. I, mm. I've never known a time as much as today, whether we're talking about masks or whether we're mm. talking about, you know, the church opening or closing mm. or, um, you know, how we're going to do Bible study or how we're going to do children's ministry or how we're responding to, um, racism or what are we going to do about the election? All of these different, um, you know, just people who think they're so convinced that they are right and so willing to look down in, in disgust mm. at someone. How could you possibly see it a different way than I do? Of course I'm right. And of course you're wrong. Well, mm -hmm. the moment, again, the moment that we adopt that, um, attitude of disgust toward another person, and Jesus says, like, that's the point when we've stepped into the wrong. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, maybe we're right. I don't know. Maybe we are right. Mm -hmm. But if we're looking down in contempt on other people, yeah. well, then we're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> that's when we're wrong, according yeah. to Jesus. Are you tired of comparing yourself to others? It's time to break free, my friend. Check out comparetohu.me online and you'll find a ton of great resources, blog posts, videos, and so much more to help you stop comparing and start living. And make sure you sign up for my exclusive email list while you're there. I send my email friends things I don't send anyone else. You can also find out more about my brand new book, The Burden of Better, How a Comparison-Free Life Leads to Joy, 
peace and rest. If you're tired of battling comparison, friend, I wrote this book just for you. Check it out right after this episode, of course. Jesus, you know, closes that parable again of the Pharisee and the tax collector. He starts by saying, I'm going to talk to some people who are elevating themselves in self-righteousness. They're looking down on other people with disgust. And he closes that parable by saying, whoever exalts themselves will be humbled Mm -hmm. and whoever humbles themselves will be exalted. So which one are we going to be when we're facing the person who we think of as wrong? Like, how Mm -hmm. are we going to respond to them? Are we going to humble ourselves? You know, because humbling ourselves, it it invites conversation Mm -hmm. and it invites like, then we can steward our influence with other people. We can have conversations and maybe we're we're more both right than we realized, Mm -hmm. but whatever the case, um, our, the church is called to unity, not Mm -hmm. to, to fractioning off and division and, um, you know, looking down on each other and, it's all of the opposite things of what we're called to in the church. We're called to walk in a manner worthy of the calling that we have received and to bear with one another in love and to, um, to eager, be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. That is what we're called to. And so this courtroom kind of in our head or even with each other, mm-hmm. like you're right and I'm wrong. It's just not what we're called to as Christians. Now is our time to shine and to step up and not to fall prey to exactly what the enemy wants for us. Amen. Amen. I love that. Okay, there's one more illustration and we're running out of time, but I'd like to get to it. You tell the story about God's chair. And when you first started, so I have a story about a chair in my new book. And when it first started, it, I was like, oh my goodness, do we have the same story? Like, how could that happen? I thought I made this story up, <laughs> you know, but then I realized it was totally different, but I really, I like, so it, it kind of goes with, with what we were just talking about, but it's God's chair because he's the one holding the gavel, right? You want to just fill that out. I mean, I know we've, we've talked about this judge and jury stuff a lot, but I feel like that that's an important point to make there. Right. Yeah. So like when we're judging other people and looking down on them, I mean, there, there are times that we are to judge, to use good judgment, Mm -hmm. you know, and to judge sin, the church is called to judge sin. But when we're like judging others, like have this judgmental critical attitude, it's almost like we've climbed up into God's chair Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we, we, but, but it's sort of like, we're like little kindergartners climbing into this chair that belongs to the king of the universe and making our own little kindergarten, kindergarten judgments as if we can see. And as if we understand, there are so many layers, you know, God, the, the different, the distance between us and God is infinite and we cannot understand what he um, sees or, or what he's doing. Um, You know, somebody was just, I was just having a conversation with a friend and we were talking about president Trump and just how divided people are about him. And, um, and she said, you know, I don't know, like, I don't think anybody's going to say that, um, you know, Trump doesn't have areas to grow in the way that he communicates or whatever. Um, but, but she said, like, I am thinking of people in like, let's say there's somebody in some remote little country who's crying out to God for justice and, Mm -hmm. and God has placed president Trump in his position Mm -hmm. and given him the kind of like personality that he has because God is thinking of that person and God wants Mm -hmm. justice for that person. And, um, 
I mean, Trump has made some great stands for justice. And so whatever we think about him, like maybe, just maybe, God knows more than we do mm-hmm. <laughs> about all of this. And maybe yeah. his purposes are higher and broader and wider than what we've considered. And if we are the ones trying to put ourselves up in God's chair yeah. and, and make judgments <laughs> before the yeah. time for judgment has come, like you know, the moment that, that God, you know, is seated in his chair, ready to judge the world, our little kindergarten judgments are going to be dismissed within a millisecond. Yeah. It just really doesn't matter what we think. We're not the judge. And so we need to get out of that chair. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I was just thinking like, if I had been around when the apostle Paul started his ministry, yeah. I probably would have been like, no, that dude should not be preaching. Like, don't you know what he did? Like, I would have had a really hard, like, are you sure this, this conversion is authentic? Yes. I mean, you know, people are giving Kanye hard time and I don't really know where Kanye's at. I mean, but I mean, praise God, if he's become a Christian, like that's awesome. He has a fabulous platform and you know, hopefully that will spread the gospel. But I know I, I'm not in God's seat. Like I don't have the privilege of seeing what he is going to do with anyone's life. And we're all on such vastly different sanctification journeys, right? I mean, the things he's doing to change us and grow us and prune us and morph us into who he wants us to be and and to look at someone else's journey and think, "Mm, I don't know if that's quite right. (laughs) And and really the point is looking at someone else's journey. Like that's the problem. Like God has given me one person to Mm -hmm. deal, one person's sin to deal with. And it's my own (laughs) and everyone else I'm called to love, you know, and to, um, to call them into the unity of the church and judgment just doesn't do that. It's not my place. Yeah. And you know what? I'm, this is a little off topic, but I feel like I need to share this because I've shared it before. But that one truth that you just said, the, the one person's sin that I'm responsible for is my own. Like that changed my marriage mm-hmm. completely yeah. like years ago when I finally was able to grasp that. It wasn't my job to keep a list of all of my husband's sins, <laughs> that, right. that I was responsible for my own sin. And so I feel like if you're watching or listening today and you're doing that in your marriage, friend, it's it's the worst kind of comparison is not helping you out. So you will have a much stronger marriage if you can let that go. <laughs> for Absolutely. Sure. That was a huge part of my control girl journey. It's not Interesting. To control my husband and be his personal Holy Spirit. Uh-huh. <laughs> really, they love that, that, don't they? <laughs> oh, don't they? They just love having their own personal spirit, Holy Spirit. But, but no surrendering. Really, I have one person. Mm-hmm. Um, that I am in control of. And that's me, (laughs) you know, my attitudes, my responses, my reactions, and, and everybody else is really in God's hands. Um, I mean, I can influence them obviously. And, and I should practice good judgment. You know, if you're choosing who you will marry or you're, um, you know, you're interacting with people who are standing for unrighteousness, like there is a balance to this, but really ultimately I am responsible for me. And so keeping that in focus is like, you know, my sin is what I need to deal with. Mm-hmm. You know, I need to humble myself, repent and, and not my husband's <laughs> and not Amen. my kids. <laughs> Amen. That's really good. Well, Shannon, so I haven't actually seen C- control girl, but that's another book you have available. And I know I've got yeah. a lot of people that listen or watch and 
you may have some control issues. I think everyone <laughs> in this kind of space, if you have body image stuff, if you got comparison stuff, you probably have control stuff too. We've talked about that before on the show. But um, but your new book is Comparison Girl. Let's let me get it on the screen for those of you watching. It's Comparison Girl. And Shannon, tell everyone where they can connect with you. Sure. Um, if you go to comparisongirl.com, we have information about the book, but also some freebies that you can download and print out. We have some comparison girl prayer cards and um, a, a hand lettered um, drawing of Philippians 2, some verses there. So some goodies for you. And we would love for you to be encouraged there at that page, comparisongirl.com. Great. Well, thank you so much, Shannon. That's awesome. I hope everyone checks that out. And I really appreciate you being on the show today. It was great to get to know you a little bit better. Yeah, it was great to connect with another fellow comparison girl. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Well, thanks again, Shannon. And thank you for watching or listening. I hope something in today's show has helped you stop comparing and start living. That's all for today. I'll catch you in the next episode. Bye-bye. Hey friend, would you check out the date on that episode you just listened to? Yeah, it's been a minute. Listening to old podcasts is almost like reading my diary from several years ago. In some cases, it's even a little embarrassing. So instead of listening straight through season by season, can I encourage you to skip ahead? I release brand new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. And if you're not sure where to start, you can go to improvebodyimage.com, find the Start Here button, and I've got several episodes listed and categorized so you can find the topics that are of most interest to you. Your time is valuable, so skip straight to the good stuff. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for letting me be a part of your body image and food freedom journey. Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. At the Story Behind podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Hear about how Steve Harvey surprised a dying man on Family Feud with $25,000. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. And even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hardworking pilot get emotional before his flight. To start listening to the Story Behind podcast, visit lifeaudio.com or search Story Behind on your favorite podcast platform.